everyone. Welcome to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Philip. I'm Daryl. And we have two special guests because this is not only issue 27 coverage, this is Messiah Complex coverage. And we have two experts slash passionate fans <laughs> who are all about this. So, hey, Dayspring, kick us off. Who are you? Where are you from? I'm Dayspring, and I'm from the Power of X-Men podcast. And um, why did you want to get onto this episode to talk about Messiah Complex? Oh my God, where, 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 where to begin? <laughs> I have so many feels about Messiah Complex, but mostly I think, and I know Flink, who spoilers to the listener, is also on this episode, but it was kind of like a return to form back in the early aughts when this crossover came out. And I was working at Wizard at the time, and I had the privilege of sitting in a editorial meeting and hearing all about this big crossover that was going to be happen happening in the following year so I just love it there's a particular reason why I was so excited for it why I still am very passionate when talking about it but I don't want to get ahead of myself okay all right so what Flink who are you why do you want to chat about Messiah Complex Okay, so I am Flinkman, and I am uh, a special reoccurring host of Power of X-Men alongside Dayspring. Um, and yeah, a lot of it, I mean, I didn't work at Wizard, but aside from that, a lot of it is is kind of the same. Like, I'm old enough to have read, like, issues of older 90s crossovers, like Executioner's Song and Fatal Attractions, but I was, like, seven or eight years old uh, when those came out. So I wasn't really following them week to week across all of the books and didn't read the full stories until many, many years later. So um, in addition to this being like the first X-Men crossover uh, for many years, this was also my first like real time X-Men crossovers. And like Dayspring said, the books to this point for several years had been, since Morrison really, had they had been really, really isolated. So um, you know, getting to see all of the, the teams interact uh, was really awesome. I don't know. It's just there was something there was a it, it's really hard to explain. There was like a spirit that we all kind of got swept up in uh, as this was coming out. It's, it's kind of hard to explain without the context of, of how the X books had been for a few years to that point. But it was just a really exciting time to be a fan in general is my long winded <laughs> answer to your question (laughs) it was it was post morrison so we got chuck austin we had peter milligan we had chris claremont we had like the whedon team and the books like you said were very isolated and the x-men were a little disjointed they were a bit wayward and then house of m happened and when house of m happened though i feel like the general readership did not think it was a particularly well done story i think it's aged well i think there's a lot of hype for house of m and obviously wanda but you know we didn't really know what they were doing with the mutants the only book that was tackling what happened with mutants was x factor yeah so all of a sudden now we're getting endangered species and this built up to this epic crossover event which you know it's the first baby born since m day so the epicness was there and i agree with everything flink said if you were a fan if you were reading the weeklies this was like excitement. It was pure yeah. excitement, like age of apocalypse. Well, I don't want to say age of apocalypse level, but definitely that kind of like, I need the next issue right now. Oh, and they were doing it weekly. Yeah. And so yeah, every week. And this I think all came 52. out. With, yeah. Yeah. This all came out within three months. All yeah. of it. 
So yeah, every yeah. week you got a new chapter of this crossover yeah. in a different title. So you got a different perspective. So um, X Factor being one of the four titles, you only had three issues that were crossover issues. So did the, like one of our common griefs with things currently is that with some of the crossovers, it's like they don't talk to other titles. So things that are happening in one book are completely ignored in the next book um, or the next title these days, it seems, or at least what we've picked up on. So for this, we're the weaving of all these titles more seamless, like the continuity was there. And yeah. and I sort of, I actually have an answer. And Dayspring, you love this line of books, the X-Men milestones in the gold <laughs> cover. We know that you love these. Burn um, it. In our last episode we recorded, I said that I was going to try to tackle and read this entire thing, which isn't that bad. It's like 12 issues, 13 if you count the one shot maybe yeah there, um, about 13 yeah so in the back of this milestones issue it's actually all of their summit notes yeah so it is uh, the x-men summit they have all of the notes on all the beats that they thought maybe we want to hit and i i didn't read all of them in depth i did glance at them some things they did some things they didn't so let me go ahead and point out the uh summit note that I know Dayspring is is going to to mention eventually so I'm just going to cut him to the Bring chase it. this poor man has been listening to me since 2007 <laughs> <Yeah>. on this <laughs> I, I actually that's a good point that I should make you know as this was coming out like was kind of I mean we had been for a couple of years but I would say a big part of the my nostalgia for this is it was the early days of our friendship and yeah. we were talking about this voraciously we on were MySpace. like on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like MySpace, like AIM, like like yeah. all the old school fun. But no, the I have this one editor's note has been haunting me for a decade and a half. And that's in that moment, some part of Scott, one not ruled by science and facts and empirical evidence, realizes who this baby really is, realizes why Cable has to go. Right there. That's perfect. I love, I, I can say that word for word too, but hearing you say it, love it. I mean, so yeah, I mean, so if you can't, if you can't read between the lines of that, obviously there was a, a point where the Messiah baby was clearly at least theorized to be the reincarnation of, of the God oh. Queen, Jean Grey. Not theorized, fact. It was supposed, the story was supposed to be the, X, uh, the X-Men's first lady is reborn in their darkest hour to either save them or destroy them. Like and a it, phoenix. Like, like a, a fucking phoenix. phoenix right there. So, and the idea was when, when I sat in this editorial meeting back like 20 years ago at this point, the idea was that they were never going to show the baby until the very end. Obviously that changes, you know, you get her in chapter five i believe chapter five or chapter six of the crossover she comes in yeah. midway but you were never supposed to see what she looks like now at the end cyclops was going to hold her and then like open you know lift up the, the blanket and the baby would have red hair and green eyes and, and i then, mean you know, uh, it's very ambitious for them to have wanted to cover this child because this baby is hanging out in the baby bjorn with no <laughs> jacket no yeah, one like no hat in the arctic no next yeah just in the in the wilds of Alaska. Yeah, just head flopping around like a fucking <laughs> pop. Like, this is fine. Like a, Cable's a great dad. The expressions were just 
absurd. So yeah. uh, before we dive into Messiah Complex, this issue, um, I do want to call out that Dayspring, you actually had a conversation with Peter David at yeah. New York Comic Con. How's he doing? What's up? What'd you talk about? Well, I did get his email address. So something we can all talk about later offline. Um, So I wanted to ask him a couple questions and I ended up asking him about Teresa and baby Sean. Wait, have you guys gotten there yet? No, you have not. I don't want to. I have. I have. You know, I know you know it, but I don't want to ruin it for Philip. I know. I know who the, the pregnancy test was. Okay. You, he, has well, I, he has I not gotten to the birth. He has not gotten to the birth. We got to anyway, yeah, we got to so, yeah, so that. anyways, so so, so we said something he, he said something that he had the original plot and then he goes, "Well, then I found out about, you know, Messiah Complex when I was at San Diego, whatever year that was." And he was really great. I asked him questions about what was what was it like to write Ruby Summers? Um stuff like that, which now I'm now I've seen that's potential spoilers here. But um no, it was really, he was great. He was a really very approachable. I sat next to him. He was great. I loved him. That's... Yeah, and I think the thing that people, maybe they realize a lot of comic readers right now, if they just came on board for the current X line and they see his name floating around on different titles, they don't realize his connection to the X world because yeah. right now he just finished up New Fantastic Four, that five-run se- issue series. Um he also, what is it Genusville that yeah. he's doing? So, um, who I love. Yeah. And I'm just waiting for that to be on, on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Uh, some of it, it uh, not the news. Uh, not the new one. Stuff. Not the new one. Of yes. course, I've read the, the old a million And times. we know that you have a spreadsheet with like Google Alerts, like oh, yeah. telling you, like, oh, you so can finally get this. this. Yeah. Um, I'm ready. And he also did She Hulk. And um, I have that. It's a very slim omnibus. It's more like just a hardcover, but I have that. I just got it this week. Yes. I mean, I have it in floppies, but why why not pay for it twice to to have (laughs) it in a nice hardcover edition on a bookcase that I haven't purchased yet? You know, things that make sense to nerds, you know? Yes. He really has dabbled in a lot of really great, but niche sort of characters and fandoms. And that's what I really appreciate about him is that he's taken those characters and he's done something with them. He turned them into something more than they were when he had them tossed at him. I agree. There's the vibe from all the letters pages, especially at the beginning, then when we'd go through those. Yeah. They would talk about like, what is this book of all these B and C list characters? Why don't you get someone A titled A lister on the team? And he just had all these snarky comments about it back to the reader. It was so good. And it was very much a, this sort of how this formed, but Madrox performed really well. So creating this whole team made sense. And it was great. I liked it. Yeah, just I mean, he's caught. a very snarky, snarky I was individual. about to say that. Like you, Blink warned me that he was snarky. I, he was really nice to me. I, I made him move his blanket. Like he moved his blanket for me so I could sit down next to him. 
he was super kind to me. He was not very kind to me uh, <laughs> when I met him back in 2014, which is fine, which is fine. I, you know, he, I, I knew his reputation. I think he is, you know, he varies day to day, clearly. Otherwise, maybe, maybe you're just way more charming than I am, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just debatable. But- I, but the, the thing is, is it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't hold a grudge. Like, he's still like one of well, my favorite it's- writers of all time, like for the, for for Marvel Comics like I love like I said his She-Hulk his his is it Genospell or Guinnessfell I'm not sure I've I never... say Genus because I I've always like... said Guinness I don't know Guinness just... he's a very dark beer vel <laughs> <laughs> I mean he is, does have very dark blue cosmic skin who knows who knows I I have no idea but you know regardless of Peter David's curmudgeonly uh, Ness towards me. I he's still an icon. Wait, what was the story again? Remind me. Re- tell everyone listening. What the story <laughs> okay, okay. You're so we were. Uh, I was getting my uh, X Factor issue. Uh, I I can't. I'm terrible with issue numbers. But the first, his first issue of the '90s X Factor, uh, the government team with Havoc and Polaris, etc. Uh, so it's getting that signed by him and the X Factor Investigations first issue signed by him and the all new X Factor, the corporate team uh, with Gambit and Quicksilver, Polaris, uh, that like literally the following Wednesday, the first issue of that was coming out. So I made some offhand comment about how I was excited about it. I couldn't wait to read it. And it was a shame that I didn't have it to have him to, to sign. Uh, and I just like unconsciously was like oh can you tell me anything about the first issue and he is notoriously anti-spoilers like he doesn't even think like the monthly solicitations that marvel releases on the internet he doesn't even think those should exist he thinks that takes too much of the mystery away and i knew that before (laughs) i before i asked him this question uh but i just i got nervous and so i just small talked with him and he gave me a full lecture about how spoilers are evil. He would never tell me anything. If I wanted to talk to him about his past work, that would be fine. But don't bother to ever like ask him about anything that isn't out yet because he doesn't, he wants me to buy the book. I was like, well, clearly I was going to do that. (laughs) Right? You're like, just tease something really fun. That's it. Right. Like just, I expect, I guess I just expected him to make like a jokey remark. And instead I got like an old man lecture, like get off my (laughs) lawn. I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about things that aren't, that don't exist yet. But again, I don't hold a grudge. I just, it's, I'm relaying the story as it happened. So dear listener, Daryl is maybe close to that level. Oh, I hate spoilers. I am not. And then I spoil things accidentally and it's great. Everything's (laughs) fine. I've never minded spoilers. I don't, I hate spoilers. Like I wouldn't want him to actually like spoil the issue for me, but yeah. I, you know, he, I would have something like, oh, Polaris has a really great scene. That's yeah. it. You know, yeah. a spoiler like that. If you're a Polaris I fan, I you're going to be happy. to tell me the last page, you know, reveal. Yes. So what, 
Dayspring, you had two things you wanted to say. Do you remember what they were? About oh yeah, the first the first one was that he was snarky to Flink, and the second was he created space cases. Do you guys remember space cases? No, I remember um, the name more than I remember. It was a Nickelodeon like TV show about this like gang of like misfits traveling through space. It was on like Nick Jr. and one of the characters in there was like this like Oompa Loompa girl in like pink makeup and jeff my husband actually dated that actress <laughs> so, so peter david almost you know almost ruined my future marriage but right? um yeah i'm rude but Look at those um, connections let's see you're trying like you, you would know the song if you heard it there space cases no Whatever. i i know it i can't I sing it. i like it's literally not... i have no voice i have no tune and i have like no voice so like it sucks but i'll send it later it to you guys beautiful and um i just came a uh, genus fell so uh, i'm going through <laughs> i'm pulling a very flink move i'm selling off some of the action figures and i had like a bunch of captain marvel that wave from the movie and genus fell is in there so i i kept him because i'm like well I can't get rid of Genus Phil. I just got that figure like no shit, like 10 days ago. Um, I didn't buy him when that I bought the movie. I weirdly I bought the movie figures and not the comic figures Weird. for that wave. Yeah. Um, but I read a I, I caught up on uh Kelly Thompson's like more recent Captain Marvel, and there was like uh, a team up of anyone who had ever had the Marvel name and he was in it. I was like, oh yeah, they made a figure of him recently. Obviously, I have to go back and get it. Like duh, I yeah. can't not have I can't not have a figure that appeared in a comic I enjoyed. True. <laughs> I picked up almost that entire wave on like super duper clearance because like the fall after Captain Marvel came out. Yeah. Like they just clearanced it all out. They so. didn't exactly set the world on fire, but it I don't I like it wasn't like an eternals level Marvel Legends bomb. I don't Oof. think was it. <laughs> yeah. I so regret buying that entire wave. It's literally just like in a reusable shopping bag in a room now. Like I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, to, they're in a bin. I, I don't know what to Send do. Them like, to I, more I'm going to have to do a bin, and it's going to be the foundational layer at the bottom is just going to be Eternals figures. Oh shade. Does Neymar cosplay need the figures? I will. I'll just them. give him mine. <laughs> He'll take them. Oh. Um. Anything else from New York Comic Con that really stuck out to you? Uh, you saw the Maddie figure in person. Oh, yeah. in that case. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. IRL, we got some footage with Dan and Dwight. And then when our cameras weren't rolling, you know, I kind of was like, hey, man, like that kind of backlash to the Maddie figure. What the fuck? And, and he opened up to me about it. He was here like, look, this figure is a journey. You know, we, we, we tried to get it approved with Marvel, with retailers. You know, it's been a lot of hurdles. We're not trying to pull fast one on anyone. We really like Maddie. We really want to put her here. And this is truly one of the only ways to do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of backlash about her underboob, but like, that's just the way they wanted the figure. You know, not, not Hasbro, but the way it was approved. And so they they designed the figure in such a way that you can remove the torso and you can easily customize your underboob. So fair, you know, I thought it was fair. They were really nice. Um, the figure looks great in person. The car looks great. I don't I don't understand why it keeps dropping. I only thought it was going to go up after people seen it in IRL. And there were a lot of guys. Like, here's the thing: it they had a a table or like a like a, a case at the Marvel booth. And it was always full of people surrounding the, the car and taking photos of it. And people 
unanimously saying it looks much better in real life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So I don't know why the numbers keep going down. And something, I mean, I've talked with other people. I won't throw them under the bus. Other collectors that you and I both know <laughs> um, about it. And I was like, I can't justify that price point for a remote control car. Like, no matter how many cool figures come with it, I... I can't. If it was something I was way more passionate Wait, about. Wait, does it yes. does it have a remote control? Did no, it doesn't even have a remote control. So you're you're talking about I'm like, I didn't even see a defective RC car that has light up wheels. Like, yeah. I I wish that I don't. I want to ask them. F- I want to ask them so many offline questions about what market research went into. Why did you choose Ghost Rider? Why did you choose this specific car? Yeah. What, like, because and, he has fans. I love Robbie. Come on. I know you love Robbie. And I mean, Robbie is great. Robbie is not a $350 car. Well, here's like, the thing, though. I, I'm, I'm an F1 guy. I love F1. The car models are expensive. You know what I mean? Like, yes. that's, I, I don't know enough about like car models market, but like, I wanted like an F1 like replica car that I can just like, you know, play around in the remote control and it's like $900. But you know what also I mean? What, what is the crossover or the overlap between car model collectors and Marvel collectors? I mean, that's my question about market research. Like, I agree with you. Obviously they had a reason to offer this. Like there was a, a business reason where they're like, this is greenlit. We are going forward. It is our next HasLab for Marvel. I, I thought it was going to get funded in the first in the first week and no problem. Like I really did. I they're like we're seeing this huge spike of sales in Texas. Like, listen, I'm like, I, yeah, like I, creating I, dummy accounts. Like <laughs> Kenny has oh, an account did. where he's like, Kenny, you're 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 doing this too, and then it's like, yeah. I ordered the max number that they will let you. I if this is truly the only chance that we have to get Madeline Pryor, I will go brief briefly go into debt to fund a Haslab uh, and then make that money back selling Mephistos and Madeline Pryor figures to people who didn't back. And that's the thing. Uh, the so, Haslab. Because I've considered it, do I just pick up Maddie on eBay? But that's where you make the money. You yep. make the money back on the included figures, not on the base, whatever it may be for a crowdfunding thing. Listen, if you think questions. that I haven't researched how much it would cost to back 5,000 <laughs> HasLab of Vengeances uh, to see if, if if this is, you know, like a Wall Street level investment, it's not. I don't, I wouldn't invest $1.8 million, but I did bust it out is, the It is, you're right. Damn. Yeah, I did. I told you, I busted out the calculator to see. <laughs> you were going to drop no. almost $2 million just to get a Maddie prize. If I was rich, this would be a non-issue. And then I would <laughs> literally make it all back selling Madeline. I would be able to name my price on Madeline Pryor and Mephisto figures for the rest of all time. You are like so be... fucking and evil. It, I and love it, that. And it, Only this for Maddie, babe. dropping before it closes. Maybe that's the advice that we're giving. Maybe we're saying max back, it out so back. you can sell it up later and make a profit. Yes. So yes. buy multiples, buy like, so what I did, I didn't do it with Galactus. I did it with the Sentinel. I bought three. And because I bought two extra, I easily paid for my own. Like yeah. no problem. Okay. My Sentinel was basically free because 
That's you just smart. Flip it. I as soon done as that. you get it in the mail, you flip it on eBay. There's a whole yeah. world that has been revealed to me now. Um, yeah, well, I know a lot of people who do like pops, the Funko pops, they yep. flip them and they can pay the rent. Wow. Like, oh my god, I got a like glow in the dark holographic Darth Vader Funko Pop in like a con swag bag 15 years ago before pops were like a thing. And then when I was going through all my shit in like 2018, like clearing out you know the crap that I didn't want, I sold that fucking pop for $950 on eBay. Yeah, yeah. and it was just haunting my closet for it was a, a decade. it was garbage in your closet in your wonderful collections closet it was just trash just in trash there. just trash yeah you know it's not a marvel legend get it the fuck out of here <laughs> another question for so is madeline Pryor figure is she tied to the the lab if the lab doesn't get funded oh yes Correct. they yes they said basic they they've stated it without stating it and they've done this before with other things so the rancor comes to mind for star wars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they're like this is the only way you're going to get this. Is that the cute mammoth thing? No. no. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That's so a bantha. I love the banthas. Um, the mammoth but, things. But they have said with Madeline Pryor, this is the only way, and it sounds like Dayspring, this is what you heard as well. This is the only way they've gotten like license or approval to put yeah, out yeah. Maddie. And yeah, it's, they were it very strikes me as odd because if you think of the Hellfire box set, which is beautiful, like was that their only way to get like emma in that outfit out oh, for sure and why don't they do a mat like if they just did a straight up maddie and they're like here's maddie we need to crowdfund it it's 80 bucks it would like they would no problem yes oh i agree like a deluxe figure she comes with goblins maybe interchangeable heads yeah you know like a chain with a havoc can, it, can havoc be like the yes. one of the tears well goblin Please. prince maddie and x-factor gene Right there. You're welcome. Has Hasbro shop exclusive right there. It'll sell out like that. Was Inferno Instantly. when she tri- was her first appearance of as the Goblin Queen? Yes. Cool. Like, well, I mean, she had been like sort of growing evil, but like that's like her her first appearance in Inferno as Goblin Queen, unleashing yeah. hell, everything. So if they did like a themed release, like if she was the we were talking about um sometimes how the build a figure is what drives all the other figures like if there's an inferno one and maddie was the build a figure wouldn't i feel like that would also mean lots of coins for marvel well here's something wait really quickly because i was thinking about this more and more though about like these scandalous outfits the the female characters wear and like okay fine we can't get maddie in mass retail but like i seem to remember i mean angela uh lady yeah. death i mean these figures are everywhere all these adorable anime figures of of girls in bikinis like get put out there but madeline is is contentious yeah so i so think... now i'm not now i'm getting angry i'm like man maybe i should challenge that shit man right like, Dirt, and... thank you dwight selfie Bye. i think that's why I, I think there's two big reasons why this has lab is going the way of the rancor and losing fans rather than gaining them and i think number one is X-Men fans are pissed that they have to back a $350 Ghost Rider thing to get Madeline Pryor, who has nothing to do with Ghost Rider. I get it. I get that frustration. I do think Hasbro has been clear from the get-go that, you know, it was going to be not just Ghost Rider characters, but like demon-y, spooky characters in general. But I can also, you know, I understand the frustration on, on you know, X-Fans parts. But number two, 
I forgot. Um, <laughs> well, spooky but, season. It, but spooky characters, here's what would really get me to commit. Throw in a couple of those figures from the 70s. Throw in yeah. fucking Frankenstein's monster. And, right. and throw in a, a retro... Like those Dracula? Dracula. I, Tomb of Dracula. Like... You, Get Which something... Toybiz did release a box set of those yeah. guys, but Hasbro has not yeah. updated. My second point I remember now is I think a lot of people don't believe them when they say that this is the only way we're going to get her. I don't think the, the Hasbro team has any reason to, to lie to us. I hope that when this doesn't get funded, I, I would like to say once it doesn't get funded, but I'm pretty sure it's at this point, it's not going to crack more than about 5,500 tops. Um, but I, I just think that, that yeah, people don't believe them. People think that there's nefarious reasons it, that, uh, at play here. And, and I don't believe that. I hope they learned from the Rancor um, because I backed the Rancor. Right? Same. And... The reason why I think it ultimately failed is that the tears did not live up to what we wanted. It was, oh, well, we repainted this Gamorrean guard figure. So here you go. Oh, well, then they he, did here's come some in paper and throw... rocks that are yeah. the next tier. I agree, but they did come back and throw in the Rancor Keeper at the last minute to try, try and save it. So I wonder if Hasbro, I think I would, uh, from my perspective, throwing Madeline Pryor in is them desperately trying to save it because she's such oh, an agree. iconic, most wanted figure for me. But I don't know to the general public if that's necessarily no, the well, case. Well, X Manny was talking, by the way, sidebar, I was like, what's a rank whore? And like, I was typing rank whore into Google. <laughs> it's a rank whore. <laughs> rank whore. Um, but X Manny, I listened to his episode why he said he's no longer backing it. And he said Maddie was actually his number one most wanted figure. I think most X fans, to piggyback off of what you're saying, Flink, I think most X fans really do want Maddie. And I think that's what's incited this anger. But I will say, like, they were very clear on the live stream. They were going to do evil adjacent characters. And they teased Maddie's brooch. They're like, oh, is that evil apple pie? So it's not like even when it was announced, she had already been in the running for it. I think maybe, yes, it was a Hail Mary because they released her after PulseCon that they were like, shit, this isn't doing really well. And we were going to unveil their, unveil it slowly. But I don't know. I also don't believe that we're not. They also said that Mephisto, this was the only way to get Mephisto. And I'm like, really? Like, no. Like Mephisto, like during WandaVision, he was trending. Like yes, there's, there, we're going to get, we're going to get him again somewhere. So I don't believe that either. Fun fact, I made it very little into Inferno when Madeline Pryor, like my experience with Madeline Pryor is her in the aviator outfit. So now every time we talk about her, all I can think of is Demanda Martini in the Madeline Pryor <laughs> aviator outfit. Which is flawless. Yes. Oh, flawless. Screaming so charter pilot. But she did that for our episode of Generations of X where we did yeah. Maddie's history. Yes. Because yeah. I Henry. also have questions. Well, as somewhat related to Messiah Complex, but I have questions about the Summers family tree. Ooh. Oh, we can get into it. Let's <laughs> I, get I into think, it. I think You've got some we experts need to convince here. Dayspring to do an episode on the Summers family tree and convene literally a summit on this so oh, we yeah. can, yeah. Oh. At least it's a tree, maybe with I, some, It could be like, like explaining it to Philip. Yeah, yeah, because I need to. But at least it's not a wreath like Shatterstar. <laughs> oh. Like that's yeah. more problematic. Oh, I did talk to Peter David about that as well. Oh, 
Yeah. Really? yeah. Oh. Wait, wait, I don't want to give spoilers. I don't know where you guys are at like, <laughs> in terms of like your conversation privately, how much you know. But yeah, if you know it's a reef, he yeah. uh, he cited some literary tropes about that, which I thought was really interesting. I had to post that video. God, so slow. So there's the dad who eventually goes into space and becomes Corsair. Yep. And then there's the three... Which we're getting the Marvel legend of, finally. Yes. There's the Allegedly. The Allegedly. Rectangular got them. <laughs> but we pretend it's not four, that it's actually three, because one of them is Adam X. I mean, Dayspring. Yes, it 100% is. It's confirmed. That is yeah, in canon. I acknowledge it. It's yeah. in canon. He's the best Summers brother ever. The, the contentious fifth summer's brother oh. which we can argue about is supposed to be gambit yes but oh yeah it's not yeah if 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 plans had gone according to you know what they were going to be in the 90s oh that's fun yeah so then so, so ruby summers is cyclops plus emma frost yes yeah. and she looks great in the um, legendary game that we have oh yeah the legendary card game so good by the way um, so many expansions. So many expansions. It is a money pit that you will enjoy if anyone listening wants to invest. Dear listener, good replayability, fun things. Like there's a 1920s gang version of the X-Men expansion that we have. And there's an X-Factor Ooh. expansion. And there's the X-Men expansion, which is what they call a medium box. So it has a few more a characters, but it's retired, much like Beanie Babies. And they need to reprint that shit because on the secondary market, it's like 300 bucks. Oh where typically it retails for like 40 for that size. So so, so we have Jean Grey and Jean Grey and Cyclops Who? don't have the <laughs> God, oh! God Queen. Oh! I'm sorry, how do you mute him? God damn it, I'm so used to being the host. I'm trying to mute you. Oh. <laughs> so, so Jean Grey. And plus Cyclops have not had any kids in this present, but Rachel is from them in the future. Jean and herself only has one a child. Um, so technically, Rachel is the daughter of the Phoenix impersonating Jean and yes, Cyclops. Because Jean was actually at the bottom of, of Jamaica, the Jamaica Bay. Bay. Yeah. <laughs> and the like, Fantastic Four got her back up. Oh, so. Yeah. And Rachel has also has like this whole kind of like Mama Mia situation where she has like three potential dads. It's yeah. like. It's either Cyclops or Wolverine or like the Phoenix Force itself is like oh, her fun. father. Yeah, so it's like, apparently been hinted at that Wolverine is. I, I I can't remember any of the hints off the top of my head, Flink. I can't really either, but I feel like it was always meant to be. So you know, she just... sent off some letters. She went to the 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 mailbox, sent one off. Scott Summers, the moon. Wolverine, the next bedroom over on the moon, and yeah. then Phoenix Force, wherever you may be. Um, right. You're probably with like a D list Avenger right now, but I hope you get this. I love that Rachel, like the Aksani, like the, the Chrono Skimmer piece, and there's only one of her in all these realities. Like that part was really cool to mm. read in Knights of X. You like that. So then, so that's her. Yep. There's Cable, which is Madeline plus Cyclops. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Don't junk. you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then somehow from Cable Springs, this baby, baby. Sp- okay. Also, I also don't get the baby Spalding reference. Is, or is it just okay. because we're, 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 volleyball? Okay, we'll get so into it. We're gonna first of all, we need the pop culture pop up. Oh, okay. All right, do the pop culture pop up to lead into where we are in terms of the real world, because we're talking about very X world implications. But in the real world, we're talking about the month of March two thousand eight. 
My Ooh. birthday. I was 23. I was too. No. no. 2008, I was 22. 22. Baby. And uh, so, we're just so babies. the first up, Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, working the paparazzi because she got $6 million for the fo- first photos of her newborn twins. Yes, I remember that. She's making oh some God. cash. And we're getting to the period right here in the mid-2000s where all of the stars are popping out kids. Like yeah. all, all the stars we loved from the late 90s, early 2000s, they're having kids and we as gay men are like, why? Oh. <laughs> no, thank Absolutely. you. No, thank you. Um, Kid Rock, it notes in my notes, singer Kid Rock, quotes, singer. Quotes, quotes. Kid Rock pled not guilty to a battery charge after a Waffle House fight the previous year. At a Waffle House? At a Waffle House. That's like the most Kid Rock thing, I think. (laughs) But is it? Like, he's, he's like fake white trash. Like, he, his parents were rich. And he, 2008, he has money. That's that's after that photograph money. Yes. After the Sheryl Crow duet photograph money, he chose to go to Waffle House to slum it because it's Kid Rock. So he would obviously think it's slumming it um, and got in a fight. He's trying to live up to his own reputation. He's trying to make, create a reputation. If you're telling me, I see you, you know more about, I almost just called him Chris Rock. (laughs) You know more (laughs) about Kid Rock than than I do. I didn't know he was uh, poser white trash. What oh, a, he's poser white trash. And this is, uh, I think this is like a year after he got divorced from Pamela Anderson. I forgot they were even married. Right? Oh my God. That is literally TBT. I forgot that too. And that was, that's the only thing I know about him. <laughs> I mean, that, that as a photograph. Pamela Anderson fan, I guess I tried to forget. Oh we my like God, to remember Pammy, by the way, on Hulu was epic i love we, that we just want to remember like barb wire and yes yeah and baywatch which i used to watch on a tv in my closet that my mom didn't even know that i bought at a garage sale down the street <laughs> it was like a little like six by six black and white tv and i literally would watch baywatch in my closet without i my didn't know that running. that's adorable there was some yeah. hunky you're hunky. such a good gay boy watching baywatch <laughs> i mean do you think i was watching i love pamela anderson but do you think Same. i know david Nicole eggers Come whatever on. her name was and jason momoa momoa was on it too that was a little later but yeah. yeah so america's next top model it was hot around this time of course that's fair antm Producers are facing a lawsuit over damages to the apartment the girls lived in that season. Oh, I remember that news story. Yes. Literal messes. Like, I I didn't look up what cycle. It's not called seasons. It is cycles. Oh. Um, I forget what cycle was right around this time, but any of them in this time period, real iffy. Like, it was a borderline bad girls club sort of oh, shit yes. happening. No regrets. <laughs> no, they had no regrets. Um, and our last item before we get to the song to set the tone, a judge awarded Heather Mills $48.6 million <sighs> in her divorce from Beatle Paul McCartney. Epic. Gold digging legend. Yes. My God. Yes. That like, story. And she did like really good work in terms of charity for landmines and things like that. She picked up that die, that Princess Die cause and ran with it what happened as best she could 
as best she could. <laughs> I'm glad you went there first, but as best she could. Um, and then she got this money from divorcing Paul. I think all she did was pop out one kid for him. Yeah. Wow. And then she's like, peace. What's See the kid's later. name? Beatrice, right? Something like I that. Yes. I thought Paul McCartney had a much longer marriage to Linda. Yeah, Linda. Linda's cancer. like his like oh. true love. Yes. Yeah. She died of cancer in Linda. the late nineties, I believe. Oh, okay. Late nineties, um, early two thousands. Yes. Uh, I use her they're... cookbook all the time. At, and after they were on The Simpsons together, talking about being vegetarian. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was a loud, it was a groundbreaking episode with a poo. It's great. Yeah. Um, so the song is, I don't know if you have watched this on Peacock at all, but it is Love Song by Sarah Bareilles. Oh my <laughs> God. Wow. I. It's like mind blowing that she's been around so long. And uh, right? in, a, in a recent episode from this past season. Of Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva, which is a Love. phenomenal comedy series. Um, they're like, she, her character and the rest of the band are in the studio and she's they're like, I with an album and the and network is like you need a love song on your album and she's and like i'm not gonna write you a love song just because you asked for it <laughs> as a line of dialogue and it we died it we went died. right over my head oh my god yeah that show is brilliant i love i love girls five eva everything love about it. it is so good especially when they're like people didn't proofread our lyrics and it was so it was <laughs> it just, roll on through unless you make or something that rhymes with dough uh but then they forgot the H on dough, so it turned out to be Doug. Unless you've got that <laughs> Doug. <laughs> so that is what we're currently in March 2008 as we head into Wait. X Factor issues. You also forgot one big thing. Please. Do please. you remember the television writer's strike? It ended right oh, before. And the- Desperate Housewives went from being a 22-episode season with Catherine Mayfair and Dana Delaney all the way down to just 13 episodes. Yes, yes. And crushing. Oh, it, I, I have feelings about it. I could write a book. It might be like my fourth book. <laughs> I like knew you would love queue. that. Yes. No, I have so many feelings about this writer's strike because I believe it broke television as we know it. I agree. Yeah, it, yeah. It showed that, I mean, that's why we have 10 episode seasons now. I hate 10 episode seasons. We got to the point because they saw, oh, well, we can make do with less and the public is still going to watch it. So we don't need to actually do like these epic, like Dallas Flink. So like at the height of Dallas, <laughs> they were 29 episode seasons, like like 50 minute episodes as well. Like and it was dense. more than half the year, new episodes. And yeah. then because the writer's strike, we got way short seasons that year, and they've been decreasing overall since then. I haven't forgiven them from for killing off pushing daisies. I love that. Oh. Lee Pace. Hmm. I was oh, yeah. I was literally just talking about pushing daisies because we started watching that like country music show uh with oh, Susan oh. Sarandon and Beth Ditto. It's not and Nashville, it's Monarch. Monarch. Yes. We just yeah, I we're we're Beth Beth Ditto stands in this house. So we started watching that and I the entire first episode I watched it without realizing that Anna Friel was literally the lead character on the show and she has the same hair with the bangs and the poof oh. in the back and everything and I'm like as soon as I figured out it was her I was like I'm an idiot. I, 
I so, didn't know Beth Ditto was still around. I've been wondering about her. Last time I saw her was like 2009 at Radio City. We were backstage for something. I think it was some guy. Oh, God, what was the tour? The Cindy Lauper tour with like Rosie O'Donnell that she oh, does for the L- True she, Colors tour. True Colors tour right there. Yes, she you was, know there, I she was there. Margaret Cho, come on, iconic. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, and I was talking to someone the other day. I was like, remember that time we hung out with Beth Ditto backstage and we thought like she was the biggest celebrity we had ever seen? I'm like, whatever happened to her? She released a solo pop album in 2016 that is the shit. You should really check it out. It's like God, so good. Her. So good. Her and like the Donnas, I just love that era of music. Although the Donnas is more like late 90s, but you know what I mean, like that. Oh, I miss that show so much. So thanks for bringing that up, Dave Spring. Like that, I... Because I'm honestly, still traumatized. We I were supposed to get, get 22. PhD. <laughs> this is going to be my my doctoral thesis on the writer's 22 strike. 22 episodes of Desperate Housewives season four with Dana Delaney. We only got 13. Absolutely not. Sorry. Why did you have to wound me this way? I was having sorry. such a good time. I know. It was such a great conversation. Anyways, I'm sorry. I cut you off. I'm so sorry, Daryl. Oh, well, we're going into uh, this issue. So right. um, for everyone listening along, we're going to discuss the issue. Then we will roll out into the entire Messiah Complex crossover event and get thoughts and feels and get some questions from Philip as well. <laughs> <laughs> because okay. I'm sure what you have some. What issue are we doing? So this that is X Factor issue 27. It has a creepy sinister on the cover. Okay. And Let's this is like three issues away from the end of the entire event. So, yeah. um, the the artist and we covered this a couple episodes ago changed for these crossover issues, and it remains to be seen if this artist will stick around. Unfortunately, I am in the Milestones edition, where it doesn't have the artist credit, but- um, it's a Milestone I'm, edition. Um, but the artist, I know that he won't stick around long because the art is going to get so bad in a few issues, it's not even funny. Like, there's a fill-in artist for an issue or two, and it is Well, bad. even like the page that you showed me before with Layla, that did not- Oh, wait, so- um, as it I was, was reading through this, I would be like, oh, look at this panel. This is supposed to be Layla. And I think it was the new X-Men issue, one of those. Um, Don't talk shit about Ramos. <laughs> it's it's Umberto Ramos, and I'm not, I won't, I'm not here for it. I not good. No he does shade. not draw a good Layla. Not a good Layla. <laughs> that's that's an opinion. Okay. <laughs> Well, I some fractures are appearing. Oh, right. So <laughs> we're going to open up and we see the newly tattooed Madrox and Layla, and they are going up to a young bishop. Yeah. And um, they're trying to talk to him to get some information. They still don't really know what's going on here. And like, what led to this? Why is this future existing? And I didn't realize this was Bishop's future. Like he's been around a bunch and like in video games and things. And I knew he came from a not great future. I just didn't know he came from this future. So that was exciting. Yeah. And to be fair, we had no idea that this was going to involve Bishop or his history or any, there was no buildup to that in any of the other books or anything. I don't even think he at the time was appearing on the, the last time I remember him being on a regular cast was Claremont's, Claremont returning to, okay. to the books. 
Yeah. Uh, and then I think he got sidelined when the X-Men went into space. And I think this is really the first time Messiah Complex is the first time he had really popped up in a while. Yeah. When District X was during that was pre day. Pre, pre, pre. Okay. And then post M Day, he was. I, he was dealing with the one he was dealing with the sentinels he was kind of like the liaison but i don't think he was if memory serves he certainly he wasn't doing anything memorable if he was appearing in a monthly book but i think he had been mia for a little bit prior to this yeah okay so it was a genuine surprise like yeah. it really was like when you're reading it and we and we can get into some other stuff and, after uh, we're done with the issue to fill in our listeners because i don't expect everyone to read messiah complex uh, every they should they, they should, should. what the no. Drop what you're doing and read this entire thing. So, uh, um, both Jamie and Layla look vastly different from when we last saw them because they have shaved heads and they have tattoos when of we, the M. When we last saw them, they were being carted up after Layla had said, like, he isn't my kidnapper. He's my accomplice. I'm with him. And that's why she ended up in the, the wagon with him. And yeah, their hair is gone. They have these tattoos over their eyes now, matching bishops. And um, we learned in one of these issues that the tattoos can't be removed, that they're they're sort of techno-organic. That's not the term they use, but it's, it's same- a virus. Yeah. And it, it, it says, I, I'm, I just happen to be on the page yeah. and it's the needles don't just write on your skin. They write on your DNA, your mark. You're going to bear this mark forever. Might as well make peace with it. Oh, that's how tulips have stripes in them is a virus. Oh, Fun fact. Well, let's so. reframe this as a tulip <laughs> instead of like a horrible concentration camp. Yeah. Um, so they're it's a garden. <laughs> they're trying to convince Bishop, and he eventually gives some background that the reason why this happened is because about 80 years ago, almost all the destiny freaks vanished. So um destiny freaks were people who thought that um mutants were destined for greatness right i think that's fair yeah. i think that's fair. yeah that they, okay. I, I, one of the like the big things with morrison's x-men which i do think house of m and messiah complex are a reaction to were that mutants were supposed to inherit the earth right mm-hmm. and then we also knew that you know after what happened with the decimation that mutants weren't going to inherit the earth but now with the arrival of the messiah baby that future has now opened up. I believe it was Forge who said, now we have this new potential future two where fu- two, two potentials where mutants are thriving and then another one where, you know, we don't know what's going on. And and I do think that the words destiny freaks is also pretty important given that destiny is a noted uh, precog mutant in the X-Men universe. And just a couple of years prior to this, Extreme X-Men uh, was, you know, a, a title running alongside Morrison where where the goal was to retrieve destiny's diaries where the future was foretold and later in in this you know mystique is or maybe already has happened at this point i'm not sure she you know mentions you know destiny foretold this destiny foretold this this mutant this mutant messiah it was how she was gonna you know achieve her goals her own personal goals within within this crossover was knowledge that destiny had given her so when i you know destiny freaks I almost think, you know, it's probably implying people who believed, you know, the prophecy of Irene Adler as as well. I love that she has groupies. And (laughs) the reason why there's a camp is because this Messiah, this baby that was born 
kills a million humans. And um, I mean, poor Lucas Bishop here is having a lot of feelings because his parents died. And he wishes that if someone had killed that baby, it's sort of like the baby Hitler argument. Um, (laughs) But like, if someone had killed that baby, his parents would still be alive and his life would be a lot better. So uh, prior to this, a guard had sort of roughed up Layla. And um, we see that after Bishop reveals all this information, she hugs Jamie and he's like, what are you doing? She had actually grabbed a grenade from the guard, attached it to Jamie because the memories or the knowledge that he just gained will go back to Madrox Prime when he dies. And so you know that she took a grenade because in the image of the guard earlier, everything was there. And in the top panel on the previous page, prior to the explosion, there's a close-up of the belt that clearly does not have a grenade. So like, you know, something had been pilfered from him. And um, Layla knows like she is basically killing her only ally here. The only person that she knows, she already abandoned herself in this future, but at least she had Jamie. And then she knows the right thing to do is to send that knowledge back. So she truly leaves herself alone by killing Jamie right here. But it's not only her ally, it's also her future husband because she's here like, I'm Layla Madrox, you know? That, I remember seeing that and being blown away. I Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's I, I, I wasn't going to quite spoil it, it all the way, but I was going to say there's a, a spin, a very notable spin on, on her signature, you know, I'm Layla Miller, I know stuff here. And it just goes to show, I can't remember how, much further down the road we have to wait for that story but you know I've I've said it in appearances on this show before Peter David is a master of of planting plot seeds he's very Claremont he comes from the Claremont school of seeding maybe not quite as extreme as Claremont but he always he he's intentional with his with his writing so you know that isn't just her you know pausing trust me i'm layla you know le- and leaving out her last name there's intent behind what she's saying there for sure so what now we're going to get, do you have anything else to say philip just that we have loved that about the peter david's writing throughout this where things like the whole isolationist story and people from that was seated way back when when monet and teresa had to go off and have their paris shopping spree to make yeah. up for the fact that they had both slept with a Jamie, if yeah. Prime or Dupe, who knows? So uh, after we see Madrox explode, we're in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Link yeah, your neck of the woods. And I, I just have to say, it's it was exciting at the time as a kid growing up, having so many important X Men crossovers. Like Fall the Mutants really was yeah. heavily involved in Dallas. It took place there. This had a lot to do. Um, there was some pretty great issues around Uncanny Three Hundred that were in Dallas. I just it it blew my mind as a kid that so many great X stories. It still blows my mind. Has anything happened in Minneapolis? <laughs> no i don't think no. so i can't think of anything no so, um uh, and sidebar i think it was the avengers where they did like one cover for like people like an avenger from this state is yeah. like the united states of yeah, avengers the initiative the initiative um, rawhide kid 
Oh, I got Ant Man in Florida. Um, I forget who we got in Minnesota. Like it was so bargain basement. We have Dayspring doing some fact checking right now. Yeah, you got it. Um, but the fact that I can't remember, like <laughs> Minnesotans, like will cling to any sort of recognition that we get in anything. So, Mary like, Tyler Moore show still real big. We have a. Uh, uh, a statue actually <laughs> oh i know when i went to auctioneering school i went to minneapolis um uh, for like a day and i took a photo right there i was just talking to someone at comic-con about that i think it was warpath dylan yeah it, yeah because dylan is they're moving, right? be moving here soon because chandler's here so uh, i got it yeah so yeah i i love downtown minneapolis hang on i'm trying to okay. see which one you guys got. i know i mean we don't get a whole lot but you know what we do get? Monet in her purple outfit. Monet uh, yes. with the cape? Oh, I love the cape. And so good. Okay, uh, question about Marvel Legends, now that we have two other voices in the room, because Rectangular is sort of a drop that he said, yeah. we're getting a Monet. Yeah. I mean, Which, obviously she has, she is probably inherited well no okay i'm all about completing teams so my number one and, and two most wanted marvel legends are feral and x-factor 90s wolf spain but after that monet is easily my my most wanted uh heroic legend maddie is my number one like overall as we have already established in great detail oh, is it? Uh, is this it? episode um so i'm i'm just like dying to get monet Who, what outfit is she in though the correct answer is this purple one with the cape i i i mean I, as much as i want all literally any monet that they want to give us i doubt it's going to be this one i feel like based on the fact that supposedly chamber is coming at the same time i feel like it's going to have to be generation x if i had my way it would probably i would i would do generation x as a box set uh, and just knock out that team and like Alpha Flight. All, yeah, yeah, exactly. It would be very easy for them to do. So my choice would be like a Hawkspot style Monet with penance swap parts. But again, I'll buy whatever as long if if it's the Generation X version, it it needs to go ahead and have a husk head in there as well. So yes. we just get both of them at the same time, like they did. Uh, with Quake and Maria Hill recently. There's no reason they can't do Husk and, and, and M at the same time if they do Generation X. So quickly, speaking of Quake, that's uh, Minnesota Avenger. What? Yeah, Look at that. Going, hey, you guys you got, got a better Quake. one than I did. Wow. Yeah. I Rawhide Kid, I mean, come on. I mean, a gay cowboy gay icon. Texas, I guess I'm okay with that. I guess <laughs> I'm okay. Is this why we keep hearing Rhinestone Cowboy on the Casey Kasem show? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Uh, but we should probably cover what's happening here in Dallas. Okay. Yes, so we have sorry, sidebar. It is it is the X-Men with some of X-Factor. So it's basically some it, it's the members of the team that are not out in the field right now. Right. So we've got Cyclops, we've got Emma, and I mean Cyclops still looking hunky, which is nice. And no, this no. is so this is after Morrison, you said, right? With the whole yes. new X-Men thing. Yeah, yeah. This is even after Astonishing. We did well, this, Astonishing. I, or is it running concurrently? This actually was run. So this was like I, 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 all of the X books, like we mentioned earlier, were really isolated uh, around this time, telling like kind of inconsequential stories because Joss Whedon's Astonishing was so delayed. Uh, and this was the first time in like two years. We're like, all right, fuck it. We're not. We're carrying on without him. And that's why 
Kitty Pride isn't in any of this, but she was in the Mike yeah. Carey Endangered Species arc leading up to this, placing Joss Whedon's final arc in Astonishing X-Men firmly between Endangered Species and Messiah Complex. Oh, yeah, okay. so editorially, from what I remember, the X-Men are supposed to be coming back just back from space and had yes. just lost Kitty is sort of where they wanted to pick up this story. And Kitty was the one, speaking of the Destinies, she was the one who knew where one of Destiny's diaries were was at. And it was mm-hmm. in, what was it? It was in, it was somewhere in Michigan. The yeah. Flint. Yeah, it was in Flint. Like, so yeah, that's that that's sort of where we're at with the astonishing team right now. So we've got some 2000s hair cyclops, but their outfits are more recognizable, I feel, than they were in New X-Men, which is nice. Okay, I oh. not to cut back to Marvel Legends and the rectangular list again, <laughs> but actually Cyclops and Emma in these costumes were also on rectangulars list. And yeah. I have to say, I wasn't, I was like, oh, we've already had attempts at them. Boo, let's do some, let's try something new when I first read that. But reading this and seeing these costumes in action again, I'm like, oh yeah, I want, I want those. Those, that and was a Yeah, time right. I am going to unbox both of them and just bang them together so they can have some. <laughs> oh, I know. Because they are both beautiful in this uh, art. First of all, like the Scott Eden art gets Cyclops's lips, which I love that he has <laughs> DSLs, but yes. the new VHS. Marvel Legends Cyclops has DSLs as well. Mm. So I, I never did noticed... actually pre-order him. Yeah, I did I pre-order him? Oh, God. I, I don't did. even think I've pre-ordered Mystique yet. Damn it. I pre-ordered I'm so bad. That entire retro wave plus Cyclops and many multiple men, obviously. Oh, yeah, I ordered four. I <laughs> I ordered more than that. Only four? <laughs> You're so gonna have that... more Maddies than multiple men. I that's fine. That's how it should be, quite frankly. <laughs> so we've got the cuckoos. We've um, each of them using a Cerebro interface, but there's only three, which also like, I don't know where the fourth one went after new, new X-Men. But they're, Complicated. They found, they, they found, <laughs> Just found don't a clue. ask. Don't ask. <laughs> they found a clue. They need to go send the like special ops team over to Muir Island. Yeah, Rain, they're, go- they're going to home. Yeah, they're going to Scotland. Lucky them, my favorite place on earth. And then we got Jamie, who back also um, back in Forge's workshop. Jamie had collapsed. We have Teresa back. Um, she had been more independent, chasing after this after Peepers, mm-hmm. um, who had crashed and presumably got eaten by Awesome Baby's not awesome relatives. Right. It looks like a very scary big Awesome Baby. It is not a werewolf. It is not. It, have Have you not read? Have you read any of Kyle and Yoss' new New X Men, the student book? No. Highly, 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 highly recommended. I believe we have had that conversation before, but that is where the Predator X is is from. So Predator X got peepers. Oh, sad. All right, peepers. All right, peepers. So now Teresa's back. She's boarding some new freckles that she didn't have before. She got some sun. She's very concerned about Mad She kind of looks like Fomka here. Look at her. Ooh. Oh, she does. I see I, it. Yeah. I see it. And we know that they did photo reference for Patrick Stewart. Oh, within, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Well, that's exactly why. I mean, that is 100% yeah. piece too. Yes. Right there in the art. So now we got Madrox waking up after her, impl- her siren's impassioned pleas. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs> just 
so she, Catholic. She goes Shree, and it's been. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a good siren on a monopia. Yes. Let so, it out, Terry. Let it out. We are here for it, and he wakes up with the M on his face. It's that, there. What, what happened to the dupe? Also transferred back to Madrox Prime across whatever dimensional barriers yeah. exist between these realities. So that's kind of cool too. It also tattoos your soul. Yeah. yeah, and that is how he will appear. That's Madrox. Yeah. I like We're... this look for him. How do we feel about him with the M? It's sexy. I like it. I'm into it. I was always into it. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, obviously. Does he still yeah. have it? No, no, I don't think he it does. Was, I don't remember it in the that mm-hmm. short little thing where he goes water yeah. hydro scooting no, with Dog No, I think it guy. just kind of went away. Wave riding. And I don't remember him having it in the Hellfire Gala either. Yeah. No, yeah. no. He had yeah. it covered up with makeup, so mm-hmm. I don't know if someone would have made him do that. Or maybe he just chose not to with the whole resurrection thing. Yeah, I would say that he at some point just died and they resurrected him with without it. Yeah. Right, but he also died in the it. future. He died in his dupe died in the future, and the tattoo appears in this body. So I'm just curious how that works. It listen, it's a cool right. thing. I, I, like I would it. say I Madrox it. Prime would have had yeah. to, been the one to die at uh, you know in a yeah. crucible or something to be to be mm. resurrected without his his tattoo. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> one of those mini off panel things in the in the Krakoa Peter era David, that we're we just need supposed to go with. Come back, Peter David, and write an X Men Legends story about his tattoo. Yes, yes, please. So now we're on a jet, a shuttle in space with Pro- Patrick Stewart slash Professor X and Cable, and Cable's getting patched up. And we see that it's just an illusion. That oh, the shuttle. Yes, yes. yes. That um, uh, Professor X needed to really put him into a different mind space, basically. So he could get through this two-hour surgery. Oof. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice shirtless shot of Daddy Cable. You it know, is. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for yeah. a Picard and shirtless Daddy, Daddy Cable moment. Daddy Cable's so hot. And then we are back in Dallas. We have Emma with her white lipstick. Thank you. I- iconic. Yeah, I hope the Marvel legend has the white lipstick. Wait, did I argue for white or red? I forget. I think you I may... argued for red because I did argue probably... for red. You did. Oh, I can't even keep track of my own opinions. <laughs> I mean, right. I'm, I'm on right. white lipstick. Um, so they're talking about who has access to the Sentinels. Who could it possibly be? And it came out that it was. Is it on this one? It's a cable, so he would have had access to the Sentinels protecting the mansion and setting them to attack. Yeah, so they're real confused. Why would Cable do this? Like, he has the access, Cable did it, why did he do it? Right, and he that story with him having access to those Nano Sentinels, I believe, was, was in the Mike Carey uh, issues pre- preceding this. He was a member of, of that cast with Rogue. Um, all, a lot of those subplots are at play here. Um, I would also, hi- again, <laughs> here I am making my recommendations. I would also highly recommend reading the Mike Carey Supernova's uh, arc oh, that, so and the Endangered good. Species that, that pre- precedes this. It, yeah, if you're going to read Messiah Complex, you have to read Endangered Species. Yeah, you, oh. the, the hype, you'll, you'll get the hype yeah. with that full context, the hype that we were referring to having earlier, will it'll make so much more sense. 
Okay, I think we had skipped the endangered species snippets at the end of the previous. Yeah, so which... maybe it'll make more sense in continuity, one right after the other. I might not be referring to the name of the story co totally correctly, but there was an arc with that Mike Carey did with the Marauders, uh, where Lady Mastermind and Mystique uh, turned on the team. Omega um, Sent got possessed um, by by malice. Uh, all of that happened, and I want to. I keep wanting to call it Endangered Species. That might not be the name of the actual arc, but it's. I call it Endangered Species as well. My head canon. That's yeah, so the, those there's there's definitely the endangered species beast backup strips, but oh, I think there's a Mike yeah. Carey written arc preceding this with the Marauders. Uh, that's called, I believe, is called Endangered Species. So back on the shuttle, we have Professor X talking to Cable about these things, and Professor X seems to have already realized something was up with the Sentinels because he starts asking Cable about it and putting these images into Cable's head. And Cable's like, I couldn't possibly like, so it's kind of cool that they're talking, here's this clue that the team in Dallas has found that Professor X is also asking about that according to Cable turns out to be a dead end. So. Sorry, I'm trying to find, trying to, trying to see if there's anything. It's kind of these pages, I, this extended conversation between Xavier and Cable, it's, Gosh, it's probably the most talking heads we've seen in the in this crossover so far. Yeah, it's well, giving it's giving a lot of background. It is also progressing the story to fill in those gaps because yeah. they knew they had a limited amount of time with the crossover. And previously on our previous two episodes, I give credit to Peter David for really going all in on this crossover as well because we know he hates a crossover, right? And but. He was one of the four X titles at that time. So he didn't have a choice. It was, this is X wide. You need to get in on it. And he didn't really hesitate at that point. Like he did a good job of collaborating with right. the overall storyline. Which is, I don't want to say surprising because he's, you know, he's been, been working in the Marvel sandbox for, you know, almost two decades, if not more than two decades at this point. But I remember... Crossovers are the reason he left X Factor in the 90s. I think he was, I, I don't know if it was Fatal Attraction. It was Fatal Attractions that was the was the straw that broke uh, the camel's back. He had, he was in the sandbox for uh, Executioner's Song. Um, and I don't think he enjoyed that. And and it it's not, I don't know if you guys have read that, but it's not as cohesive as this at, at, all, no, at all. not at all. So there really must have been, for him to have given it, uh, for them to have given him such, you know, such important chapters and for him to have given it a, as much as he did, there really must have been a really big kind of sea change in the way that Marvel was was handling crossovers to th this this crossover versus the crossovers in the 90s. And I think that like it, it comes across throughout the whole thing, but specifically knowing that Peter David had such a complicated history with crossovers, knowing that he played so well with others this time, I think speaks to the importance of this story and how everyone involved wanted to to get it right. Yeah. Well, and 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 he shifted his plans as we mentioned earlier in this episode. Like not only was he playing in the sandbox, but he shifted his plans. And I got to tell you though, I mean, I think a large reason of why this crossover is so good and so beloved is because we have solid writers. We have David, yeah. we have Brubaker, we have Kyle Yost. 
you know, we have every we Mike Carey, Mike Carey, sorry, Mike Carey, Mike Carey. You know, these are solid writers. These are th- this was a good time to be reading the X books because, yeah, I mean, coming back from Peter Milligan. <laughs> oh, I know. And Peter Milligan, I mean, he does a wonderful job with ecstatics. Like if you give Peter Milligan his own yeah, corner, like- give him his own corner to create and play in. He does wonders, but yeah. um, I can see how it that his skill set would not translate to an ongoing like X Men like. That's... Yeah, well, it's it's like Matt, Matt Fraction. Matt Fraction can actually write. He's a good writer, but then he did Uncanny, and it was garbage. You know, I mean, I don't want to say garbage, but you know, it, it was well received. It was it was a good outline somewhere. But it was a terrible, it was not fleshed out and it, it was inconsequential. But these scenes, what I like a lot are, I mean, first of all, you know, Professor X is, you know, looks at Cable and he's here like, aren't you supposed to be dead? Because remind me, Flink, he died in Mike Carey's arc, right? Yeah, yeah, right around, died. right around adjective list 200. Yeah, so he dies there. And also, I like the beat where he's here like, I have to find the baby. And Xavier just stares at him. They have no silence. And he's here like, I got it. And I always thought it was because I think I don't know where it was explained. Maybe it was in that editorial meeting I was talking about or if it's in the script. But that is when Xavier realizes what's up and why yeah. they have to get why they have to find her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he says uh, because Cable says we need to find that baby now. Yeah. He doesn't even defend that much against Xavier's accusations. Nope. He's just like, we need to find that baby because without that baby, our future is even more dire and than it is with the baby. Professor because X- the baby is Jean Grey reborn. And that is exactly why he now understands the urgency because our God Queen is walking among them again. <laughs> Professor X says- Walking, not yet. It's a little, she's not even crawling. Give her- She's defecating her, her own diaper her right now. <laughs> That's true. So he's like, I already have, we are going to Muir Island right now. That's where we're already headed. And we go to Muir Island. So- And I was very confused. I'm like, Gambit, what's Gambit doing here? I what's was- Sunfire doing here? Yes. I so confused uh, to the point both of you have made- I need to read back now to figure out what the fuck is going on with the Marauders. Uh, so, and some of it is explained by the end of this crossover, like why Gambit is here. And so flashing to Pete Milligan's X-Men <laughs> no! again, real quick. Uh, Gambit and Sunfire are there because they, the last we had seen of either of them, they had been horsemen of, of Apocalypse. In uh, Pete Milligan's adjectiveless X-Men. Um, and then at the end of that, uh, there was like a shadowy figure that was assumed to be sinister approaching both of them. Um, and that was the last that they had come into play. And the next we saw them was in Mike Carey. Mike Carey picked them up um, around, again, around X-Men, adjectiveless X-Men 200. And they were um, with the Marauders. So they had both been kind of ostracized from the X-Men because of the whole apocalypse horseman situation um and this is really the first that we had seen them since this is the first we had seen a lot of these characters uh in a long time like specifically like gambit and and sunfire we had seen within you know maybe 18 months two years uh they were off the table but the marauders had been off the table for decades at this point literal decades uh and most uh most of the acolytes as well and characters like random who was just like randomly there 
uh, <laughs> had been off of in uh, Tempo, Exodus, like these characters yeah. had been abandoned for for decades. So seeing them all in this crossover and showing up, you know, to Muir Island like this was pretty epic. Nice. Uh, so uh, there's a, a literal parade for this baby. Gambit is carrying this baby who looks very unhappy. She is a, she's a sad baby. The volleyball head is real. Is I'm so in my <laughs> no. attempts to try and figure out why you call her baby Spalding, I'm like, is it the Spalding brand of volleyballs that her head looks like or? No, minor spoilers. Obviously this does not turn out to be our God <laughs> Queen Jean Grey reincarnated. It's actually Hope Summers. And later on when she returns after, you know, second coming, they do like a deep dive into her backstory. Where does she come from? And it was, you know, she was born in Alaska to a woman whose last name was Spalding and she was a firefighter. So that's why we call oh, her baby okay. Spalding to mock her. <laughs> so <laughs> to mock her and her origin. Gambit is bringing this baby to Sinister who's looking very hunky. He has a cinched waist. Not as hunky as he has recently. Before the Avengers Eternals thingy, Sinister was more thirst happy. And yeah, then he but he's got, his, he's got his Fabio hair here. Like yeah, hair yeah. So uh, we have the baby reaching out for Sinister. Um, Sinister takes the baby, but it's not Sinister. Gasp. It's Mystique. And she's like, don't you worry, I'm good with babies. And... <laughs> no, you're not. Bitch, you're not. <laughs> I cackled when I saw that there was a baby Nightcrawler in the Mystique thing. It was oh, the yeah, action figure. Oh, uh, yeah, she's, she is about to yeet this baby. That poor baby. And uh, then we see that the real Mr. Sinister is just dead on the floor. Idiot, like, grotesquely so. Yeah, he is a sad corpse. This was a really big reveal at the time, by the way. Yeah. Like Mystique betraying Sinister and Gambit being in on of it. it. This is like the culmination of what Mike Carey was telling in Adjectiveless X-Men to this point. Uh, again, because Mystique was a part of his team alongside Rogue. So there was a lot of complicated character dynamic stuff going on with him. And obviously Rogue is in a coma at this point. If we haven't, if, if we haven't established that she's been off the board completely for this entire crossover to this point. Oh no. We cut to the X-Mansion, which is X-Rubble, and Dust is going to lay flowers on the grave of some of the lost, and I really like her. Oh, I love yeah. Dust. Dust is amazing. Um, we see the thing that is not an amazing baby. It is a terrifying adult, and it is feasting on the corpses of these mutants. Like, it dug Rude. them up. And it's like, I'm going to eat these. And poor wallflower. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't and notice he was digging up the graves until now. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's like 20 years later. Rooting around. It could what? be Gene's body, but. Stop you know, it. it. I was going to say it that. It could also be like, wallflower. Um, so we, basically, we cut to their horrified faces like, oh no, what, what's going on here? And we smash cut back to Mirror Island. And it's the X-Men arrival, like the X-Force strike team, basically, landing here. I still don't know who Hepzibah is, but she's fun. She's I have thoughts on Daddy. I have thoughts Daddy on Hepzibah. We'll, we'll get to my thoughts on Hepzibah. She's oh. Daddy Corsair's 
you sometimes lover associate star jammer she got over him real quick for warpath though real quick i mean wouldn't you no but that's no, not right. i mean corsair. no warpath is hot but corsair come on yeah no. i wouldn't say no to either but if i had i wouldn't to say, say no to either yeah i mean like okay. corsair has like a spaceship you know what i mean true so space daddy know. pirate space daddy pirate like mm. so they're thigh high boots they're going in and there's a big great splash page that actually ends this issue that it is x-force ending an x-factor issue going in to do battle they need this baby stabbing lady mastermind through yeah. the butt lady mastermind gets resurrected and starts hanging out with vulcan in the krakoan age right that's who she is no no I'm... no 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 that that's uh was that petra who is who, who yeah there were two, there were two of them petra. yeah you're thinking yes. of the deadly genesis team oh okay yeah yeah no 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 lady and... mastermind i'll let flink explain because it's his favorite one of his favorite. oh no i i was just gonna say she also doesn't die here for all the people that get stabbed and maimed in messiah complex really only like caliban I think it's the only one who stayed dead or actually yeah. even died. Lady Deathstrike is and peepers. Right. Oh. peepers. Oh, peepers. Peepers. I think Xavier peepers. will be fine too. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the, so the end, the ultimate end of this entire crossover is that Xavier dies. He gets shot. Oh. Which, and the art for that is really weird because at the time, I just thought they forgot to draw him, but it's Exodus who like flips him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that last panel, the last page of the crossover is the X-Men standing over Xavier's dead body. And then in the very last panel of it, he's yeah, like, the he's body's gone. not there. And at the time, yeah, we we're like, what the fuck? That what happened? Like, existent. I forgot to draw it, but no. But then there was, it is actually followed up on elsewhere. Why don't draw something like a little Banff effect or something? Yeah, you know, the golden like, swooshes. I love the golden swooshes. Yeah, something like that. Be like, oh, what happened to him? You so what? I mean, that's the end of our issue for X-Factor, and it doesn't really give us anything for X-Factor. <laughs> um, Except for at the beginning with Layla yeah. and the dupe and the tattoo. Yeah. And because when Maddox come, wakes up, all he is is like, we need to get Layla. We need to go back for her. And this sort of sets up what happens later. So um, we had Peter David seed what he needed to into this issue to then use in the next but a majority of it is this crossover oh these two pages are not no, in the, the same thing i was like oh there's armor that's fun no on the subject of x-factor though the one thing that i remember during messiah complex that bothered me was what happened to the other dupe right we see the one that went to you know bishop's future but where did the other one go and it was not it, it seemed like such a big oversight at the time but obviously we know peter david would revisit that story yeah not to spoil anything there but i remember being like question mark on that because it seemed like such a like gaching editorial hole i i just assumed that it was his knowing peter david's writing style at the time i just kind of assumed that he's probably the one that was like okay i want there to be two futures we're going to show one here and then i get to do whatever the hell i want with the next yeah one. this is my bargaining tool right here yeah yeah, that probably is exactly yeah. how it happened. It's like, all right, I'll write your future, your future bishop story, but I'm sending, you know, I'm going to tell my own alternate future story down yeah. the line. Just knowing how he likes to seed, I guess that that I, I can understand how that would be frustrating at the time. But I just kind of I trust I trusted the pad. 
Huh. I thought that he did. The dupe had just died right away, and that's what had put Madrax into a coma the first time. Hmm. Like with the the shock of the first one coming back is what put him under. Uh, well, no, but I, I would just I say stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait and see. Wait and see. I would or, say speaking as like an X fact, you know, X factors role in this specifically. Obviously, you know, my a lot of my favorite characters like Monet, Siren, and and Guido were were basically. I think Guido got a, a line in, in this. Um, you know, Rain, Madrox, and Layla are the ones who really got you know, any sort of story development whatsoever. By the way, it's, I, I hate how Rain is drawn throughout this for the most part. I think everybody, her wolf head on a sexy lady's body is terrible. It's kind of a through line for her throughout this. And I don't, I don't care for it at all. I think Scott Eaton is probably the worst offender. Um, but, but, but also in hindsight, there's like barely any Monet here. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure how I didn't really notice so much at the time. I guess it was more, I was just like feeling the flow, the vibes of the whole event. It was just so exciting, but she's essentially sidelined for this whole thing. And I, 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 I kind of reading it uh, today for this, I would, I would have thought maybe, you know, when the telepaths at the mansion all get wiped out, someone might be like, oh, hey, let's get Monet in here and, 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 you know, look, check, check in on everybody. Nobody, that was a way she could have been incorporated That's a really good point by the way yeah like i think that, that, that's like a rare criticism of messiah complex is i think that monet could have been could have been utilized more but i think also another criticism we mentioned hepzibah earlier in hindsight i think i would rather her be here less or like not at all i i okay. don't have a problem with the character but corsair being dead and her romance with warpath we're such a tiny blip uh, on the radar in the grand scheme of things. I think in the end, she's kind of just taking up space here that another character like Monet or Siren or Guido um, could have stepped up and we could have gotten some more X factor representation. Well, and because like, she's really inconsequential. I mean, you know, she will- She's get not a mutant. She's not a mutant and she'll get deported later on, like in a couple of years, like that's it. She won't have- Oh. anything else like after what secret invasion she gets yeah she gets deported and she didn't even wind up being on the cast of the monthly x-force book after this as, oh, as well right. everybody oh. else wound up carrying forward but Hepzibah mm. and obviously Calvin R.I.P. were the two that were not carried forward from this lineup so like what is she doing in such Don't she has more of why. a speaking role than like many of the characters appearing in monthly books in prominent roles. So that's like kind of my one critique. I do think specific, you know, we're on an X Factor podcast. You guys are focusing on X Factor. As an X Factor event, I think there's some cool stuff seated for the future, but overall their role in this, if you're looking at it purely as an X Factor podcast, it's pretty disappointing. Well, I also, I, I, I really do like Jamie's role in it because I think oh, that sets sure. up the sense of urgency. But one thing, and I was marinating on this on the subway back from New York Comic Con, this very much is a Layla Miller story in that it really solidifies her like lore and canon like on an A-list level because prior to this, she appears in House of M and everyone thinks she's like an incarnation of Wanda that was supposed to guide the mutants. And Peter David, I asked him this question. He's here like, she was a blank canvas. Bendis didn't want her anymore. I got her. And so I wanted to do something like really fun and interesting with her. 
Because again, at this point, you know, in the readership, everyone just dismissed Layla as like a Wanda incarnation, you know, left behind after House of M comes back. And this really solidifies her character and it builds up who she is even till this day. Like, I feel like who we just saw in like the mini, like the X-Men Unlimited issue, mm-hmm. like is a reaction to this story. Yeah, I do like that she, like her, is she, isn't she mutant question keeps popping up and like for some not as well versed in all the things like that's really intriguing like is she or isn't she like I want to stick around and find out like that's a big deal and this is her first reunion with Emma post house of M right because her her and Emma have a really like strong relationship in house of M and and this is the first time they see each other oh I look forward to that like those moments in house of M were like sort of unexpected from how I expected Emma to act and everything, but my name is Emma Frost. I'm headmistress of the Xavier Institute. Yes. And yeah. You are an what did she say? An anomaly or something? And Layla's like, well, aren't you a ball of sunshine? <laughs> it's just so I don't know. I just I look forward to seeing that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So yeah, I mean like I agree with you. And you know it's 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 not as bad like Flink when we were covering Ten of Swords. Yeah, and we we went through the Hellions issues, and we were like, "What the fuck was Hellions' role in this book?" You know what I mean? Like, we right. literally just shoehorned them in here, and it was inconsequential. You can literally eliminate the Hellion story from Ten of Swords; you will not miss this thing. Here, I, I agree with you that it, X Factor doesn't play that big of a role, but at the same time, it is integrated into oh, the yeah. story in a way that I felt I loved it. I mean, I remember when there were like two futures and we we're going to send Jamie there. I was like, that's so clever. Oh my God. Right. So. Yeah. And to be clear, I, I think X Factor is integrated really well. I think Madrox and Layla and Richter and Rain all have mm-hmm. important roles to, to, to play in this. I do just think, you know, I, Hepzibah is the only one, the only one thing that, that I really wish they had turned the volume down on, on her. But I guess at that point, she was on Brubaker's cast. Her and Warpath were like his, you know, big contribution to, to the books at that point, aside from Vulcan, obviously. Um, so I guess I get why he wanted to play that up. But then I don't know, like, like we said, it never was followed up or, or, or went anywhere. And, and when Forge is like two new futures have like, or futures are now sprouting up, there is an editorial mistake where in like the background, he has AOA as a future, but obviously AOA is not a future. It's technically just the remade 616. Yeah. But now it, now we know it's officially an alternate universe. I think it's an endangered species. I don't know if it's, I forgot like if looking, it's in my complex. But not the least endangered species. But look, but look at like it's in the background when whenever Forge comes in to talk about like the the futures or like the futures not existing, there they have AOA in the background and it's it's an editorial mistake because it's not a future. Well, you know, sorry, yeah, angry nerds like twenty years later. I know, thirty yeah. years yeah. later, Nerd, we're that yeah, old. They got a background wrong. <laughs> but I listen. I mean, this you know, this is. I, I don't know how to explain Messiah Complex to someone who just hasn't read. I feel like in order to fully appreciate Messiah Complex, you have to read New X-Men because mm-hmm. really mutants were set to inherit the Earth. Then you had to go into Avengers Disassemble where Wanda literally destroys the Avengers. Then you have to go into Endangered Species 
and then, well, excuse me, House of M, and then Endangered Species, and then this, and it's so good. It's and, just, and the student new X Men, I would recommend. Yes, yes, that as too. Well. Kyle and both, and Mike Carey. This is really, <laughs> I do feel. I mean, this isn't by any means the end to House of M, but this is like the next chapter in House of M's, like that big saga. And it's just so. It's a story that just expands over decades. I mean, the Messiah story was like what? How many? years did we invest in it flink like 13 years something like that so if this was 2000 well i so house of m was 2005, 2005. this was about 2008 and then avengers we had uh second coming probably around 2010 and then avengers versus x-men was kind of the event that hijacked the story completely uh and that was 2012 yeah oh, so this really? was like a culmination of like almost a decade's worth oh this was like a middle point and like almost a decade's worth of stories but just beyond that it shake it shook up a lot of uh, of core concepts like cyclops really stepping up in this bit like the x-men becoming you know he was the leader he xavier just faded into the background i mean cyclops repeatedly repeatedly tells xavier basically we don't need your dusty old ass around here i'll yeah. let i'll let you know if we need your help and of oh course God, that he never Philip does art where he's like gonna punch xavier like yeah and emma's like yeah. holding him back but you're and right because really... in whedon's in whedon's i'm sorry in whedon's whedon's like astonishing really broke down cyclops's character getting into his psyche and that was a reaction to his insecurities and where he was at in morrison so whedon mm. so he he's broken he breaks during the 12 obviously he's dealing with him morrison whedon builds him back up and to your point this right here now establishes himself as a mutant leader. You know, he's going to do whatever he needs to do to save the species. And we that was that. one of the... Like the him killing knows. off Xavier. Yeah, killing off Xavier and believing his dead wife is going to come save them as a species. But that is why Cyclops is very motivated. It's never specifically stated, but it's because he believes in Gene, that the Messiah baby is Gene coming back. And that's why. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And I mean, I mean the art... Can we get this? This is a Marvel oh, yes. Legends Jack. Oh, I love Cyclops that. in a towel. That made me very happy. Back in <laughs> 2008. Yeah. But so- like jumping back to like the you know the behind the scenes material notes that we were talking about earlier, yeah. they have a after they outline all ch- all 12 chapters of the crossover, they just have a bullet point list of the major status quo changes and the first bullet point on there is Cyclops is the alpha dog of the X-Men end of story he proved his vision and skill and emerged from the shadow of Xavier so that was like in addition to reigniting the mutant race like their number one bullet point here is establishing Cyclops as as the alpha dog and that makes sense because from an editorial standpoint they disband the X-Men at the end but then they come back with the X-Men, yeah. they start the Utopian era because that's supposed to be Cyclops' reign. I didn't really think about it like that until now, but that's why it's important that the X-Men disband mm-hmm. at the end here. Yeah. It was so cool just reading through everything and experiencing it for the first time in this past week. It yeah. was, uh, I finally get the hype that both of you have been putting out in terms of like, this is a great story. It is. And I, I know, Dayspring, you said you need to know all this stuff to really fully appreciate it, but it's possible to appreciate Messiah oh, yeah. Complex on its own, too. And it's fun. I'm it's, glad that you said that. It's, it's fun. You're able to really dive into it, and you understand what's going on. Like, 
You don't yeah. need to know who everyone is. If you don't know who Hepsuba is, it doesn't matter. It's just she's got the radio, and that's fine. Yes, just yeah, go with she's it. She's on the comms. Yep, just right there. No, I, I and, and to be clear, I think it is a very inclusive story. You you can just pick up and read it. I just think the emotional culmination, you know, with it, I I, I think it's better served with like those appetizers. There's layers well. here that there's you won't so pick many. Up. Yeah. yeah, there's yep. so much, and it. Here's the thing that I think Messiah Complex does really well is that it respects X-Men history. It doesn't ignore it. It's not, it is, you know, a lot of crossovers, like I remember with AVX, you know, that was supposed to be the end of this like Messiah story and they were billing it as a jumping on point for new readers. I was like, no, this is supposed to be your combination. Messiah Complex, I don't believe was ever billed as a jumping on point. It was just a really well-told story crossover and I, it just shines through anywhere be from Mike Carey to, you know, Cable taking the baby into the future is supposed to parallel like the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. It just it does so much here. That was beautiful and great character moments. You know, the scene between X-23 and Lady Deathstrike. Yes. And she's like the, your biggest mistake was touching Julian. Like, wow. You know, and X-23 at the at the time isn't the Wolverine we know today. He was a very quiet, very standoffish character who didn't really show her emotions. And the fact that that one line, your mistake was touching Julian, like beautiful. It was, I get chills thinking about it, you know? And that moment, it's not baby, baby Spalding's not Gene, but at the time Cyclops literally holding the baby and like the locket opening up to a photo of him and Gene as teenagers. And then like, the, the it goes black you're like damn you know what i mean and emma's like scott your heart which is a callback to phoenix and song where only gene could make his heart flutter a certain way i mean emma can too you know but it, it's <laughs> noted there for it well and and to be to be clear i give gene shit all the time and you know i like joke about you know oh she was dead for 15 years those are the best 15 <laughs> years of of x-men stories ever but bitch i love her dead in the white hot room so listen, I, but i'm not i wanted hope to be gene like that was part of the hook of the story for me was was this never was how we were, admitted we were that. going to get gene ever daryl philip please clip this for me i'm putting this all over the internet you knew you knew <laughs> no, you we, never told we me we were you wanted all her to be invested we all wanted it we all <laughs> it, it was part of the reason the story you, was so cool because it felt like an original fun interesting way to to get the character back on the on the board and i think we were all you know i wasn't maybe as hyped wanting it to her to come back as a fully formed adult as you were but like the idea of gene coming back that way was always an interesting idea to me bitch you trolled me so hard i'll never forget one day on aim you were like hope isn't gene it's just a red (laughs) hairy dot 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 get it red (laughs) oh i do like the hair thing that was well done because that was like at that point that was the only thing i had really to argue was like Oh, I heard she was supposed to be Jean and the baby has red hair and green eyes. Yeah. And you are so sick of me saying red hair and green eyes. So I, tr- I my trolling was a response to your <laughs> being neurotic about Jean Grey. Let's just, oh, I'll yeah. confess that once and for all. But but so if we if we consider that the, the plan for this baby was that she was originally supposed to be Jean, let's say that happened. Where 
and I guess this is more of a question for you, Dayspring. I'm just curious, where would you have taken that? Where would we now be with Messiah baby Jean, presumably an adult again? I mean, would it be weird for her to be with Cyclops? Like, so I'm so how- glad you asked this question. So at the time here, we know that Jean, after Ensong, was going back into the white hot room to find all of her pieces. So we also know that by the time Second Coming comes and Baby Spalding is all grown up, the Phoenix fragments that were all over the universe, including within Rachel, and Rachel says, no, not now, Mom, all leave their their spots. So I would have had it that two ways. One, Hope was literally Jean reincarnated, and then once all the Phoenix fragments come back together, she can be fully formed adult, like how Emma saw in the fire at the end of Second Coming. Or Hope was a fragment of the Phoenix and Jean would have come in as White Phoenix and like repowered the mutant ring. That's what I wanted it to be. I never wanted Jean to fully be back 100%. I wanted her to just step in, repower the mutant race and then go back into the White Hot Room and operate on a cosmic level. So that's sort of where I would have liked the story to have gone. Well, what's funny is we... we Because I'm a Scott and Emma fan. You cannot fuck Scott and Emma. Scott and Emma are perfect together. Mm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I was going to say... Well, reading if, this, I love it so much. I love seeing them together. They are. They make such a great couple. I'm so it is a travesty they're them. not together. And like in this last issue of X-Men, you know, they, they've kind of... Or no, Judgment Day, whatever. They've been oh my God, don't spoil it. I haven't I'm read not gonna it. Conf- no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to give us plot point spoiler. Um, but, you know, they, they do refer to each other as husband and wife again. And it's like, no, I don't want them married. Like, and especially since Jordan D. White made the whole big spiel that if Jean died, her will would have been executed and she would legally be dead and their marriage would be annulled. So, you know, I again, I just want Emma and Scott together is where I'm going with that. Sorry. Well, what's, what's funny is we wound up getting <laughs> like, like <laughs> we, we wound up getting like teenage Jean Grey stories a couple of years later anyways. It's kind of, you can almost kind of see like what they could have done had it had it been, you know, yeah. Baby Spaulding actually been Baby Jean Grey. We still could have gotten some of those like teen Jean stories where she learned her lessons and then passed those memories on to an adult version. I do like Hope these days. I'm sorry, Philip. Oh, I love Hope. So... Uh, Hope's mom is the person in the Alaskan wilderness, the Spalding woman. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the Spalding woman. That's it. That's what we're going to refer to her. I wanted to make sure I knew where Hope was had come from. So Cable yeah. plus Spalding equals Hope. Yeah. And I forgot, like, God, what did she, was she killed in Alaska? Is that what's finally revealed that she was killed in Alaska? Or did she, I don't, I have to reread. She's the dead. Yeah. Here. She was killed. She was killed. She was I can't killed. remember where that was revealed, but she was definitely killed. But I do want to be clear, Philip. Cable is not biologically Hope's father. There's no oh. bio, actual biological connection between, between the two. Well, her father has never been revealed. I think it's implied it's like immaculate conception via the Phoenix Force. Yeah. Phoenix Force like, is oh, like, okay. I need a basic bitch. Here's baby Spalding. So right. later on, when Hope is like, that's my dad about Cable, it's more, more like a adoptive. There's a really great cable. One of the books, there was kind of a shuffling of the decks with a bunch of new titles that came after this. X-Men Legacy focused on what happened to Professor X. And then we got um, a really great, I think probably his best solo series uh, by Dwayne, whose last name, Dwayne Sears Nicky. I'm not even going to try. Like that's, it's a really hard to spell and pronounce last name. 
uh, he did the cable series um, that focused on cable raising hope in the future with Bishop chasing, chasing after them. So we do get to see hope raising this child uh, in the future. I think there's about two years worth of stories. It's really, it's really oh, quite it's good. So if you good. read Messiah Complex, I would, I would recommend it. It has really beautiful art from Ariel Olivetti. I'm not sure if you're familiar, oh. but it's like painted, like painted work. Ooh. It's gorgeous. It's really nice. And and they have such great character moments. Like they they also like have the scene where Hope is like, if Bishop ever did something to you, I'd come back from the dead and hurt him. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. it just they alludes into all that stuff. And they have such a cute, they they have such a cute relationship. I agree. I think it's 24 issues, right? Two years. Yeah. Something around issues, something about like, two years worth of stories. It's so good. Like that is that book is worth your time. A, I love character development. And then B, I feel like I just need to start writing things, all your recommendations down. Like every time you're like, yeah, I'll you send you a list. You that. Like, <laughs> I just need it all written out. I mean, there's a where I, we, we, we joke that there was a lot of dark ages for X-Men fans over the last like 20 years, but the era with X-Factor Investigations, Mike Carey, this cable book, like all of this stuff around like the five years period leading up to and with Messiah Complex firmly in the middle and then another couple of years after that, that five-year period was really, it, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a golden age. I don't want to say it was better than Morrison or it was better than Claremont, but it was a very special time for, for the X-Men books. I would say the entire time that X-Factor Investigations ran was kind of a golden age for X books. I, I really, listen, the Messiah saga, I can look back fondly on it. There were a couple of missteps, but exactly what you said, Blink. Like there's a lot of like good in those in those years. I just think it gets overshadowed because Marvel was clearly not prioritizing the X-Men and the event, we, we were seeing the rise of the Avengers and some of the Fox films weren't delivering. Yeah, although X-Men First Class and Days of Future Past were really good. But they didn't get like toy tie-ins. Right. They didn't get any special like releases with the comics because of the complicated nature of the studios. Oh, so, yeah. but it was still like some of these stories, like Messiah Complex, like it is golden. Um, Messiah War is also, I, I don't think Messiah War ever gets the love it deserves. It's very middle of the road, but it's also, there's this beautiful scene in there where the X-Force team, you know, goes into the future and they see the, the messiah baby and they just stop and they pause and it's a callback to what emma says in that issue with cyclops and the towel which is like these kids are excited because this is this is a symbol that they will survive as a species that they won't be the last generation of mutants and it's just there's so much heart and that's what, the only thing like one of the major criticisms i have for the Krakoan age i don't feel that that level of heart is is present in the books but you know the stories are better structured yeah slight yeah yes all right well any final thoughts for us as we close out messiah complex and this tie-in arc i'm like you haven't had enough of our thoughts at this well, point I know. <laughs> I, so, well I, I can go on a rant about that lady spalding and <laughs> but no thank you so much for for having us on yeah. We love you guys so much. Yeah, we love you too. I mean, we have been planning this recording since we started the podcast. Yeah. So we're going to need to convene you again at some point. Um, Chad from Grey Malkin Lane has already claimed the Barhead baby issue. So, um, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, he staked his claim just like you staked your claim on this one. But. <laughs> 
we need to have both of you back at some point too to I, there are plenty of events that yeah let me let's just go ahead and say you know since we're since we're here for for messiah <laughs> complex sign us up for second coming i think that would make sense okay. we're reconvening yes. the, the gang for that that's right. the next I also want sex factor rebellion. involved summer's rebellion i want that story all right oh, well we can do that i'll put it down in my spreadsheet because i have spreadsheets as well oh my god look at you being like demanda i know it you need to do it you i was do it. i was talking with justin from ex-wife last night and we we're talking about podcast planning and i'm like well i don't know like we just wake up one morning and like i'll shoot a dm and that's as far as it goes but we're also going to have you guys on for gambit and the externals oh yeah we have all age four of issues of that miniseries so we gotta roll that out so we're gonna have you guys on we're so excited yeah daryl you've guessed it you've guest hosted on the podcast before when we did what if but this is the first time we're going to have both of you on and we're going to do an AOA title so we're yeah so it's going to be so exciting and am i invited your... to that one of course you are well, bitch i, I just, know sometimes bitch, i am sometimes i just <laughs> bitch i literally just said we wake up and we just dm like that's like the extent of planning well you know we'll you have have, you're so popular you have so many i'm just so like i don't co-hosts. know what to do i just wanted to make sure there was room for me of course, <laughs> we're not doing gambit wait but you don't like Gambit. no that's scott who doesn't like gambit yeah no gambit and the external so love love good 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 you're on my side of that we'll have a civil war power of x-men civil war oh god (laughs) (laughs) all right well everyone thanks for joining for this episode flink where can we find you you can find me on instagram at flinkman getting up to my usual shenanigans toy pics dog pics husband pics good good old-fashioned nerdy shit all right day spring what about you? At, po- at Power of X Men Instagram, I I try to tweet. I'm terrible at twittering, so don't even bother going there. But um, yeah, we have uh, a lot of exciting stuff on the podcast. Blink and I interviewed someone from Mondo, and we're going to be dropping that. He's one of the sculptors, Alex Brewer. So all of those new uh, figures you're seeing through Mondo, he's sort of the guy in charge of there. We have Victoria Blade, who I harassed for two years. For years, literally. Years. I had to apologize so much to her. <laughs> I mean, but she does, got it. Does she deserve the apologies? <laughs> yes. She's ignoring you, okay? And as 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 Daryl sips his wine, and then I, I think Flink and I talked. We are going to release our Scott Lobdell episode. We're donating to Me Too, so that's going to come out. And then Flink and I also interviewed Chuck Austin, but we we were able to get that hookup through Chad from Gray Malkin. So we're waiting for him to air his episode first, and then we're going to air ours afterwards. And then and I, it, I, I know I'm forgetting something. Well, I know <laughs> that Gambit in the Externals is pretty near in your AOA journey. Yeah. Like yes. it is almost next. Yeah. So. And so now we're, instead of going through issue by issue, we're doing all of the, the series together. Because at this Perfect. point now, all of those stories are inclusive. So we'll have you guys on for the entire series. Absolutely. So it should be coming up by November when we have you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Very Woo. exciting. All right. And you can find us at X Factor Files Podcast on Instagram. That is our only online presence. And, and connected to this episode, we're going to have a giveaway. Um, so I know that. Blink and Dayspring will both be sharing that out <laughs> as well. Um, I wish that I had staged it near me, um, but I can announce it because, of course, this is audio and not video. It is a Funko Pop ride of Beast in the X-Jet 
So it's disgusting. Um, Just I, on I his know. way to crash, hopefully. I know. Of course, and you I, have to give it away because no one wants to buy it. You can't sell it on eBay. Jet fuel and fur sounds like a great that's combination. Partially true, Day Spring. <laughs> <laughs> but we're giving it away nonetheless. And I'm mostly doing it so that you have to share a post about Beast in a Fine. positive way. Fine. You know what? If you need if, if you need a collaborator for it, I will prove you wrong. I will do it happily. All right, Happily. we're, we're going to do it. So uh, folks, check out the post connected to that giveaway for details on it. Um, we are going to send a beast flying off to someone else's house. <laughs> to his own demise, hopefully. <laughs> beast pop. All right. <laughs> sorry, well, thank you both for joining today. We loved having you and we can't wait to chat again. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us on to rant. Bye. Bye. Bye.